0: Hello, Team Agilam, Karibuni sana tena. So today we are in a very special episode because number one uh, is that we are celebrating two years of this ministry. We started this ministry March 31st, 2020. At the height of the pandemic is when we started this ministry. And now we are two years in and look at how far we've come. So we're celebrating two years, but I think even what's more special and amazing uh, for me personally as someone who has been administering God's Word is that today for the first time we're going to have one of our own, our very own, come to deliver God's Word to you. Um, Some of you who, um, if you've engaged with us on our social media or you've engaged with us on our WhatsApp channel, um, what you'll realize is that the person that you have been engaging with is Mukui. Um, who is part of the Agilam team? Mukui joined our team. Uh, basically, reached out to us, and uh, at, at uh, about a, probably about a, a year ago, um, uh, to just basically help us with the ministry. And she felt God's calling to be able to come and help us to be able to see what she can do. And we talked uh, over a couple of things, and finally we settled on her being able to in, uh, help us with managing the, the community. Um, so on social media and on uh, WhatsApp and being able to help us manage the community. But since then, um, I've you know engaged with her so many different times, and she is someone who uh, consistently that I have found to be such an encouragement. And not only that, she's a woman who is filled with the spirit of God, and she has so much wisdom. So many times when. I get to speak to her and I get to confide in her on on so many things and she has been such a great resource to us and to so many others within the community. And so I'm so excited today for her to accept the call to be able to come and teach us from John chapter 4, which is a scripture that uh, really resonates with her. And so as she was coming here to tell me all this stuff about how excited she is about John 4, I was just kind of like, maybe you should teach this thing, right? And I was really hoping because one of the things that we've been praying for and I've been praying for is to be able to have more people that can come and sit here and deliver God's word to you because Adulam is really a ministry about being able to teach you guys God's word and it can come from anywhere because the word comes from God. So I'm so excited today to introduce Mukui to you, who is, many of you probably have never met her, but today you will, who is going to come and administer God's word from John chapter 4. Karibu sana Mukui.
1: Hello people of God. As Thimba said earlier, my name is Mokui. So I'm normally answering the WhatsApp messages or Instagram, but today Jesus has seen it fit that I would be here with you today. So the way that this happened, um, I have to tell you is so I'm an older sister and I'm very good at giving directives telling people what to do. So one morning I woke up, um, because I guess I was anticipating that John chapter 4 was happening, and it's one of my favorite passages. And I was like, Thimba, when you're doing this message, make sure you say X, Y, and Z, because this is a very important message. Um, And yeah, I gave him all these points to say and whatever. And he was like, do you want to do it? And I was like, no, I can't do it. You know, I'm not anointed to do it. You know, what if I say something wrong? And just as I was reading this passage more and more, I just really related to this woman and i felt that god had given me something to say about her and i feel like so many of us relate to to her so so our message for today is going to be entitled he knows you and what we are going to see is that you are never too far gone for god to transform and to use you in his kingdom so our passage for today is from john chapter 4 verse 1 to 26. i know in sunday school you've read this lots of times but we're going to read it again because it's just such a beautiful passage. So let's begin. I'm reading from the NIV. So now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back, went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, The woman said i know that the messiah the one called christ is coming when he comes he will explain explain everything to us then jesus declared i the one speaking to you i am he so the first really thing interesting thing that i saw as i was reading this is that this jesus actually sought out this woman in particular and we see this because um I think it's in verse four when Jesus said uh, he had to go through Samaria on his way to Judea and Galilee. And then this is where the you know, um, narrator would interrupt the movie and say, actually, Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria because the fact is, if he was a good Jew, he would actually have gone around Samaria. He wouldn't have actually gone through Samaria. So Jews would, uh, be, uh, when they would go from Judea to Galilee, which was, so Judea's in the south, Galilee's in the north and Samaria's in the middle, they would go around like through the Jordan River because they just didn't want to interact with these Samaritans. So if you remember again from your Sunday school history, um, the Jews considered Samaritans like dirty, you know, lowest of the low. And you know, um, they had this shared history. You know, Samaritans believed um, some of what the Jews believed, but they had their own practices which they had intermixed. So of course that was super offensive to the Jews. Um, so, Yeah, Jesus did not have to go through Samaria. He was going through Samaria. You know, he was insisting on going through Samaria. But because Jesus is Jesus, of course, he's always going to places he's not supposed to go with people that he's not supposed to be with. And then the other thing that you know, clues us into that he's actually looking for this woman is that the Bible tells us that when Jesus arrives at noon, and to me that was so interesting, like why tell us, you know, when he arrived? Um, And so, you know, it it just puts you in the mindset, it's the middle of the day, it's really hot, it says that Jesus has been tired, uh, is really tired from his walk, and then this woman comes along. So now, it's super hot, it's been really hot in Nairobi lately. So you can imagine walking in the heat of the day to fetch water i've never fetched water but it sounds like it's very you know rough and in the middle of the day i wouldn't want to do that in the middle of the day i would do it in the morning or in the afternoon and then why is this woman by herself you know like why isn't she with other women because i the practice at the time was that you know women would go to the well in groups and they would go in the afternoon when it was cooler but why is this woman by herself and we're actually clued in you know in the passage that this woman has this kind of maybe sketch history and other women probably don't want to be with her so she probably comes by herself often at this time and then the other thing is um, as a rabbi Jesus is not supposed to talk to women Um, rabbis don't pu- publicly were not supposed to talk to women even their wives their daughters um they good actually good rabbis were supposed to like you know close their eyes when they see a woman um you know unless they be um i don't know chafuad. <laughs> so so anyway um and you see this even when the disciples come back and they're just like uh you know see i too but this is this is real sketch this is real sketch Um, so we see here Jesus is talking to a Samaritan who is not supposed to be talking to a woman he's not supposed to be talking to and on top of that a woman with five husbands so definitely not someone he's supposed he's not he's definitely not someone he's supposed to be talking to and even the woman is really surprised that he's talking to her and so we see that Jesus intentionally seeks this woman out to offer her salvation and he sought her out, even though he had a messy, complicated life. It wasn't, you know, because he tells her about himself, about herself. It wasn't an accident, you know. He knew he was who he was coming to meet. And you know the thing is that so many of us are stuck in prisons of sin and shame, like this Samaritan woman. I know for sure that I am. And because of our shame, we isolate ourselves from people and even try to isolate ourselves from God. You know, with you, for her, she could be thinking, you know, how can I stand before God when I've been married and divorced five times? And for you, you might be thinking, how can I face God when I'm addicted to pornography or drugs? You know will say you know let me fix my anger issues and then I'll pray you know then I'll go to church you know you don't know the thing that I've done I'm too far gone to Jesus to save me and you don't you know there's no way that I can go to God right now and yet Jesus comes looking for us because there is nothing that you have done that would keep Jesus from not wanting to save you or offer you eternal life there's nothing if you think about the worst thing that you have done when, you, when he was dying on the cross for you and it came to that, you know, it, to your time, that these, these are sin. God sin, God is giving Jesus, these are Mukwe's these are the worst things she's gonna do. And Jesus said, sour I'm gonna take them. It is finished, it is done. She's forgiven. Um, Jesus quite literally went to the pits of hell. You know, when he died, he went to the pits of hell um, so that he could offer you salvation. And you really can't go farther than the pits of hell. And in verse 16, Um, we see Jesus asking um, the woman to bring her husband. And we see her doing what a lot of us do when we feel shame, which is to lie about and try to hide the things that we feel ashamed about. And so she tells him, you know, no, me, I don't have a husband. Um, For me, I might say like, no, I'm a Sunday school teacher. I lead worship. I'm basically a saint. Of course, I'm not struggling with sinful relationships. What are you talking about? You know, for you, you might say, you know, my alcohol problem is under control. Or you might say, you know, my anger issues are not hurting my family. You know, it's fine. Tukasawa. But you know that song by Toby I'm going to say his name wrong, but Tovi Ingwe, and it says, you know, try Jesus, not me. And in this case, it's actually try someone else, but not Jesus. (laughs) Because he actually calls her out and he tells her the truth about himself, which is that she actually had five husbands. And let me tell you, we can lie to everyone around us, but we can't lie to God. He knows everything about you the good, the bad, the ugly, the ugliest. There's nothing that you're hiding from Him. Jesus. Um, knew that the Samaritan woman had this messy life, and yet he chose to reveal himself to her. He still chose to offer her the living water of salvation, even though she was sinful and full of shame. Jesus knows everything about you, my friend, Um, and he still chose to save you. He knows that you're sleeping with that woman's husband. He knows that you're being dishonest in business. He knows that you lie and bribe to get your way to make things happen. He knows that you're heavily into drugs. He knows you abuse your partner. He knows you neglect your kids. Jesus knows the worst things about you and still chooses to save you, to forgive you, to be merciful and to give you peace. You know, this faith, thing that we're doing is not about pretending that we're perfect, and then coming to him to give us a rubber stamp, you know, this is a good Christian, this is a bad Christian, you know, Jesus comes looking for us when we are broken, and ashamed, and in the pits of our own personal hell, and offers us living water. You know, it's relief, freedom, mercy, eternal life, and the thing is that he just he doesn't just save us. He doesn't just like offer that salvation. And then, you know, he moves on. He invites us to be in close relationship with him. Us, us with the messy lives and with our shameful past. he says, you don't have to go to a temple or a mountain or so that a priest can give sacrifices so that then you can pray this salvation that he's giving us he's giving to us freely you can just come before him in spirit and in truth you can come as you are in all of your mess just to be with him you can worship him just as you are and so the next thing um, we notice is in verse 28 um, is that this interaction she has with jesus Um, after this interaction she has with Jesus, she willingly goes to the town to tell the rest of the city about Jesus. This small interaction was so transformational that she was willing to go and tell the community that had ostracized her that the Messiah was at the well. And yet her transformation must have been so evident that these people that had, had nothing to do, wanted nothing to do with her, um actually go and see they believe her and they go and see so something must have been different about her this living water of salvation is transformational and this transformation is undeniable only a messiah can could have changed this woman's life so drastically that people actually believed her only the messiah could have freed her from that prison of sin and shame only The messiah can change our lives like that you know i really love life coaches and i love my therapists and i think the work that they do is really important and in my life i think they've helped me think differently and make certain shifts in my life but all of those shifts i've made um, in those sessions pale in comparison to the living water of salvation that is permeating my life that is cleansing me that is forming new thoughts that are aligned to god and his will Only the Holy Spirit can transform you into the holy righteous son or daughter of God um, that God wants you to be. And you can't do this on your own. You know, um, several years ago, um, in my last term of college, um, I had attempted suicide um, for the second time because I was just so tormented with anxiety and shame. And... um, in the state that I was in, you know, when you attempt suicide, it's mandatory for you to be hospitalized for like a week or so. Um, and so I was just, you know, in the hospital by myself. You can't you don't have a phone. You can't close the door. You know, they don't give you anything. You know, it's just you, yourself and your thoughts um, in that room. And I just remember thinking, you know, I just need to get it together. I need to just graduate from school and then I'll go around and I'll fix myself. And you know, after I finish school, I'll, I'll fix myself. I'll figure my life out. You know, whatever it is that I hate about my life, I'm gonna, you know, try and fix it on my own. Um, and I really did try to fix it. Um, like Drake said, I started wearing less and going out more. <laughs> and I even got into a few entanglements, as Jada would say. Um, and yet, I was still miserable. Like miserable. I hated my life. And so I remember when I noticed that this transformation uh, of salvation was actually starting to work in my life. Um, Because I've been a Christian since I was like four, my mom said I asked her to go to church, which is so random, um, that I would just ask my mom to go to church. Um, And yes, I had Jesus in my life, but I didn't really need Jesus. Um, And then in 2015, I decided that God has told me to come to Kenya. And then I really needed Jesus because things were, you know, really, really thick. Um, so I happened to join BSF and I really, you know, stuck with, with this because, first of all, like the leader that I had at the time was super strict. So I was like, I have to come. Otherwise, this woman, you know, is going to yell at me. Um, but anyway, um, I was in BSF, I'd done it for a couple of years. And I remember sitting, I was in the current class and sitting and the woman, um, the teaching leader was actually teaching about John, this book. And there's just something that she said that clicked. And I recognized that actually the Holy Spirit has been at work, you know? He's actually been working in my life. Um, You know, my life still looked like a mess. At that point, I had never been more broke. Um, I had only one friend. I was so confused about what I should be doing with my life. You know, even my shoes were falling apart because apparently, you know, in these Nairobi streets, you can't wear shoes from Payless because they'll just fall apart. And yet I was so peaceful. I was so content with this little life that I was building. And all of this was because I was sitting with Jesus every week, you know, in those classes reading the Bible. And for the first time in my life, I could actually see. Okay, this salvation thing, like, actually works. It's like a real, a real thing. Um, the other day, um, someone I go to church with told me that the joy of the Lord oozes out of me, and it was very strange. Uh, it was a very strange compliment to me because I feel like. You know, I was just that depressed, suicidal person just the other day. You know, in fact, you know, if you heard me, you know, during the pandemic, I always miss lamentations, you know, always complaining, always anxious. And, you know, when I think back to the person who was in that hospital bed and the person I am today, the only difference is Jesus. It's The only difference is that I spend significantly more time um, to Jesus. And that's because he's actually drawn me to himself. These, you know, to church things that I do is actually because God is like, go here, do this, you know, sit here, sit with this person, talk with this person, you know, worship with these people. And the thing is that when you are transformed by Jesus, people can see it like this woman from my church can see it, I can't see it, but somehow she can see it, you know and that's what salvation does. It's undeniable as it's working in your life. And you know this brings me to you know the last point um, which is that um, her testimony actually transforms her whole community um, in verse 42 it says then they said to the woman now we believe not just because of what you told us but because we have heard him for ourselves now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world this testimony of hers drew them out of the city to go and meet jesus and once they saw him from themselves they believed that he could save them as well that he was actually the messiah Um, you know, in those early days, um, there's this song I used to sing that I was reminded of as I was preparing this message and it's called My Story by this Christian band called Big Daddy Weave. And, um, the verse goes, if I told you my story, you would hear victory over the enemy. And if I told you my story, you would hear freedom that was won for me. And if I told you my story, you would hear life overcoming the grave. If I should speak then let it be of the grace that is greater than all of my sin, of when justice was served and when mercy wins, of the kindness of Jesus that draws me in. When I tell you my story, it's to tell of him. When you tell someone, my friend, of how Jesus has brought you from where you were and you knew where you were, where you used to be, the pits of hell, to where you are now, you demonstrate that this power of God is real. Your transformed life is the evidence that this salvation thing is real, even if your life isn't all the way together. So my friend, you with the messy life, you, the former alcoholic, you who couldn't keep a job, you who used to be depressed, you with a very shameful past, or even if your present is very shameful, god wants to use you to transform nations i'm here to tell you that he wants to use your very messy story um, that he made clean with his living water to reach other people who are in the same mess you know you know we hear lots of men of god talking about how a revival is coming and I am convinced, especially after reading this passage, that this revival will happen when you and I are willing to go and tell someone that what Jesus has done in our lives, how he he found us in our mess, but didn't leave us there. And if you listen keenly, if you listen to your friends, um, people are really thirsty for this message. People really want to know that there's a savior who fundamentally understands you, All of you and accepts you and has actually transformed your life willingly. You know, you know, Thimba can come here and give bomb sermon after bomb sermon week after week after week. But he will never convince your friends or the people that God has put in your life that salvation is real as authentically as as you sharing your story with them. In fact, there's no sermon or prophecy. You know, Joshua, Joshua Selman cannot give an authentic witness of Jesus Christ as you can give to those people that um, that God has put in your life because they can see it it's live it's undeniable um, you know in Revelation 12:11, it says that they defeated the enemy with the blood of the lamb and the power of their testimony your authentic witness of Jesus Christ is what God will use to bring about his kingdom in this place it's actually what will win souls for Christ and the thing is, God is not asking you to be Billy Graham or T.D. Jakes or Mike Todd. Um, he's not asking you to go out and give the word to millions. He just wants you to tell your story to the person that is just right next to you, to your neighbor, to the guy that you work with, you know, to the people in your church. Just tell them what God has done in your life. You know, today someone is going to watch this testimony and they'll accept this invitation from Jesus to try you know, him out for themselves. You know, they're going to look at me and say, you know, that girl clearly, you know, doesn't have it all together, but Jesus is working in her life. And if he can work in her life, he can work in my life. You know, and that person is just going to be some random person on the Internet. So imagine what God will do with your testimony in your friend group or in your workplace or in your church. Those small interactions that you have when you're telling someone, you know, this guy this guy jesus he knows everything about me and he still chooses to save me you know that person is going to be much more willing to see for themselves or to believe for themselves Um, and this is how i believe that god wants to move in this time you know especially in this country um he just wants you to tell people about what he's doing you know that to me is what is revival so um my encouraging encouragement to you my friends is um accept this living water allow it to work in your life you know it's actually for you it's really for you he didn't intend to give this to this perfect version of you um he's really wanting to give it to you and he wants to save you where you are, even if you've been uh, you've been saved for a while and you're still stuck in this prison of sin and shame. I want to encourage you to accept salvation from Jesus because he wants to set you free. And then I want to encourage you to let that salvation and freedom actually work in your life. You know, it's one thing to say that you're saved, and it's actually another thing to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. That takes a level of surrender where you're just like, you know what? I actually can't do this thing on my own. God, I I need you to come in, you know? What is it that that you want me to do? Do you want me to read the Bible? You know, do you want me to sing a song? Whatever it is that you want me to do, God, I'll do it because I cannot fix my life on my own, you know? But you need to allow Jesus to do that. You need to surrender Um, and he'll do it. He'll cleanse you of all that sin and shame. You know, you'll feel freedom, you'll feel peace. Um, And that transformation that's going to happen in your life is going to be undeniable. And then, um, just go and tell people about it. Just go and tell the people what the Lord has done. Um, I mean, look at this God. Look at what he's done in my life. You know, that's all you have to do. That's all he's asking you to do is just go and tell your story. Um, You know, marvelous are his works, this God. Um, You know, I'm always telling the women I do BSF with that God can do so much with an... An open heart, a willing heart. If you're just willing to go before him and say, "Listen, this is me. This is who I am. You know, I'm really messy, but I believe that you can transform and change my life. He can do it. And all he wants you to do is tell people, you know, about it when he does it. Um, so that's our message for today, my friends. Um, I want to pray. Um, I especially want to pray. Um, for those of us who are stuck in this place of shame, as in we cannot get out of it, and we just don't know how we're going to come to God, um, and I'm just here to tell you today that Jesus already knows, um, and He's willing to save you. He's done the most. If Mukui Bindio is here giving a message, then God has done the most. Uh, for you to hear this message that he wants to save you. Um, He wants to give you living water. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants you to be free. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you, God, that um, the kingdom of God is for us. Messy people who are full of histories of sin and shame. We thank you that, God, you did not come to save perfect people that you came to save us Um, and we're asking God um, that you would help us to surrender um, to your Holy Spirit to work in our lives to transform us God we want that freedom that comes from your salvation we want to come before you to be able to come before you in spirit and in truth dear God Heavenly Father I'm praying especially this morning um, For people um, who are listening to this message who feel just stuck in sin and shame, who feel like they cannot get out of it, I pray, Heavenly Father, that in this moment, you would just, they would feel your open arms welcoming them, Heavenly Father, um, into your salvation, into your kingdom, that they might come boldly before you, Heavenly Father, and surrender everything they are before you and watch you transform their lives. God, thank you for wanting to use us in our mess, and we pray that as we go out that you would give us opportunities to tell our stories, and we pray that it would bring you much glory and much honor, and may bring many souls unto you, dear God. We pray all of these things, just trusting and believing that you are actually the Messiah. You can actually save us. You can actually give us eternal life. You, this whole God thing is actually real. We pray in Jesus'
0: name, amen. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share with someone whom you love. Share with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry. So that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible and then make sure that you subscribe Sawa, subscribe subscribe wherever the button subscribe subscribe god bless you guys